0: This program is made possible by the friends and partners of Unspeakable Joy. This morning I want to kindly give you... We'll go to a different segment this morning in Daniel chapter 3. I want us to look at verse 26, but I want to answer the question, What will your world look like after the fire is over? Daniel chapter 3 in verse number 26. Then Daniel came near to the mouth of the burning fiery furnace and spake and said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, ye servants of the Most High God, come forth and come hither. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came forth of the midst of the fire. And the princes and the governors and the captains and the king's counselors being gathered together saw these men upon whose bodies the fire had no power, nor was a hair of their head singed, neither were their coats changed, nor the smell of the fire had passed on them. Then Nebuchadnezzar spake and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who hath sent his angel and delivered his servants that trusted in him, and had changed the king's word and yielded their bodies, that they might not serve nor worship any god except their own God. Brothers and sisters, once again we find ourselves down on the plains of Dura in the province of Babylon. One more time we find ourselves up against that mud brick pit called the fiery furnace. One more time, we find ourselves looking headlong into that fire, noticing Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now, the last several weeks, we have looked at that fire from the beginning of the fire. We have seen what put those boys in the fire, the stand they made for God, the faith they had in God, and what it cost them by being thrown in the fiery furnace. Then we have seen over the last several weeks what the fire looks like when you're in the fire. When you're in that problem, when you're in that situation, when you're in that trial, when you're in that thing. But we've never looked at what the world looks like after the fire is over. And brothers and sisters, you've got to understand something. Our God is in the process right now. While you're in the fire and while you're in the trial and while you're in the problem and while you're in the situation... He is working with you on the inside of the fire, but He is also working on the outside of the fire. Just as much as He was doing for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego inside of that flame, God was also working on the outside of that flame, working with the people and the world that they were going to walk back into. I remind you right now that just because you cannot see God working does not mean God is not working. Just because you don't know what God's doing does not mean that God doesn't know what He's doing. Just because you can't figure it out don't mean that God hadn't already figured it out. I remind you this morning, God is not like you and I. You and I are looking on the short term. You and I are looking at tomorrow. You and I are looking at the next day. You and I are looking at the next move. You and I are looking at the next decision. God is not like that. God is a long-range thinker. God is a long-range decision-making God. You see, we're looking at this next decision and how this decision affects this next thing. God is not like that. God looks at how this decision is going to play on down the road. I was on that Delta airplane the other day, and they had the screen in the back of the chair in front of me. And so I plugged my headphones into it. And I don't, I don't watch a lot of shows and I don't really have much that I do like that. I've seen all the Chicago PDs that they've ever made. And so what I did is I, I scrolled through that headrest and I found the games on that game was was chess. And so there was a guy beside me and he looked mighty wealthy, looked pretty intelligent. So I figured that I'd impress him. Because you know, when you're on an airplane, you don't want to be nosy and see what the person beside you is doing. But you just, you do one of these. You don't turn your head, but you just look over like that right there. Yeah, don't act like you don't. And I knew that he, if I could play that chess game right, I would probably impress this very wealthy man that was sitting beside me. And maybe he'd take me on for support. Who knows, you know, what God could do in the next. So I turned that chess game on, and I'm playing that chess game, and I'm I'm moving the pawns, and I'm moving the bishops, and I'm moving all this, and I got beat by that stupid computer in roughly about four minutes. (laughs) Now, I don't know if you play a lot of chess. That ain't good. Do you know why I got beat in chess? Because when you play chess, you don't make this move for the next move. You make this move knowing five moves down the board, what's going to come down the way and how this move is going to affect that move. If you only move right now thinking about the next move, you'll be defeated every single time. And man, when I got beat on that game, it was because I played a short range game. You see, God is in the process right now of not playing a short range game. God is a long range God and he's working what in you right now, what you're going to need next week and what you're going to need next month and what you're going to need next year and how your life is going to look after the fire is over. And so this morning, I want to take you and fast forward and maybe give you a little encouragement because there are a lot of you evidently because of what you're telling me after these messages are a lot of you that are in the fire and a lot of you that are in the trials and you're in the situation and you're in the problems and you're in that fiery furnace of life and you want to know, preacher, is there any hope? When I'm done, what will my world look like when I'm done in the fire? I'll give you three words. I want you to write them down on what your life is going to look like at the end of this fire. Nothing at a time out. Let me say something that just hit my spirit. If you want to get to the end of this fire, you got to get to the end of this fire. And whoever it is this morning that wants to give up and throw in the towel and be done with this whole thing, maybe you're watching online and you're done with this whole thing and that's why you didn't come to the house of God this morning. You're afraid of what people would think. You need to pick yourself up by your bootstraps and get yourself back up because the only way you get to the end of the fire is to make it through the fire and you can make it and you can survive. Let me give you three words. Number one, the first word that you'll find that your world will resemble on the other side is the word victory. You need to write that word down. What your world will look like on the other side of the fire is the word victory. Notice what it says in verse number 26 at the end of verse number 26. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego at the end of the verse says this, they came forth. They came forth. Now, brothers and sisters, there was a time when they were inside the fire, but you know what happened? They came forth from the fire. There was a time when they were shut in, but now was the time that they had come forth. There was a time when it looked black and bleak in their life, but they had come forth. There was a time when it did not look good in their day, but they had come forth. There was a time when they only dreamed about the end of the fire, but they had come forth. There was a time when it did not look like anything good was going to happen, but they had finally come forth. If you take that phrase right there, come, they came forth. If you circle that phrase, if you look it up in your Aramaic concordance, which I imagine most of you probably will not do, so you can just trust what I'm saying right now. If you look up that word came forth in the Aramaic, it literally means to arise from a dark place of doom. You see, what Nebuchadnezzar did not realize is that he had thrown them smack dab into the middle of a type. He put them in a picture when the man of God would be thrown in the place of death. And at the right time, he would come forth out of that dark place of death and deprivation and depravity. What am I talking about? Well, if you read your Bible at all, you fast forward over 550 years and you'll be on a little hillside outside of Jerusalem. You'll be outside of a bloody hill called Golgotha. You'll be on the other side of Mount Calvary and there on the other side of Mount Calvary, parallel to that bloody hillside, you'll see the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea and they took the body of the loving Lamb of God. They took the body of the loving Lamb of God. They took the body of the loving Lamb of God and they wrapped it in grave clothes. They wrapped it in those mummification clothes. They wrapped them in the clothes of Egyptians. They wrapped them exactly like they did Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and they threw the body, the life, the death of the Lord Jesus inside of that dark grave and they sealed up that tomb and when death had ruled and when depravity had ruled on that third and glorious day life came forth out of that grave that place that had death now sprang forth with life and that place that was done sprang forth with hope and that place that was gone sprang forth with grace and that place that had law sprang forth with mercy ladies and gentlemen Jesus got up Jesus got out and Jesus got on I remind the child of God right now if you're saved by the grace of God that day you were dead your sin you were dead in your trespasses you were dead in your depravity but that day when you bowed your head and gave your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ and asked him to forgive your sin that heart that was dead it came forth with life and that life that was depraved came forth with grace and that life that was gone came forth with mercy and that life that was out of here it came forth with hope and that life that was bound for hell it's now bound for heaven I wonder is there anybody in the house that's not ashamed to the fact that you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Just wave your holy hand right now. I remind you that Jesus Christ came forth from the grave. Now, here's the point. I wonder on day one if the angels thought it's all over. Angels don't know the future. I wonder on day two if they thought there's no hope. I wonder if the demons of hell ever had a party that said, she's done, it's over. Sure they did. Because the same demons that dance on your soul and say you'll never come forth are the same demons that danced on his grave and said he'll never come forth but let me give you a little glimpse of what happened on that glorious first resurrection Easter Sunday morning honey long about the breaking of the day this sun came up and about the breaking of the day when the light crested over the hillside right about that time honey the gravestone it began to shake and all of a sudden that Roman seal it began to buckle from the backside and those quaternion of soldiers ran hither and they ran thither and before they knew it that gravestone went a rolling away and it slid to the side and light came beaming forth out of that place and Jesus Christ came forth out of the grave. And I said all that just to say this if you're a child of God and you're in the fire and you're in the furnace and you're in the affliction and you're in the pain and you're in the problem. I've got good news to tell you. It may look bleak right now but you will come forth. It may look tough right now but you will come forth. It may look low right now but you will come forth. It may look out but you will come forth. It may look hopeless but you will come forth. It may look stacked against you Oh, good God, buddy, you will come forth. They came forth and they had victory. Now watch this. They went to a place where the flames had no power over them in the fire. But when victory arrived, they went to a place where the flames could never get to them ever again. Brothers and sisters, I remind you right now, right now, we are in the fires of trouble. We are in the fires of trials. We are in the fires of affliction, and the flames have no hurt. But we're going to a place out of the presence of the flames, out of the presence of the trials, in the glorious presence of God Almighty. I just wanted to tell somebody before I move on to point number two, that point number one is pretty juicy, and there will be victory in just a few hours. There will be victory in just a few days. There will be victory in just a few moments. So just hold on, child of God. Victory is on the way. Number two, outside of the fire, on the other side of the fire, and in the world where there is no fire, there's not just victory, but there's separation. There's separation. Now, can I show you something that I'd never really paid attention to until the other day? Notice what it says in verse number 27. It says in verse number 27, And the princes, governors, and captains, and kings' counselors, being gathered together, saw these Men. Now, leave that verse up there. If you've got your phone or you've got your Bible, I want you to count something with me. There There were certain groups of people that were waiting on them when they got outside of the fire. Everybody take your hand, and I want you to count them as we name them. Number one, it says the princes. Number two, the governors. Number three, the captains. And number four the king's counselors. There were four groups of people waiting on them when they got out. Now, whenever I started reading that, I got to thinking, Lord, what's so special about those people? That they would be there wanting to see them when they got out of the fire. Well, the Holy Ghost sprung my mind and I thought about something. That's some of the same people that threw them into the fire back in verse number 2. Of this same chapter. Miss Kim, put verse number two of this chapter and take your Bible or your phone and flip back to verse two of chapter three. Then Nebuchadnezzar the king sent to gather together the princes and the governors and the captains and the judges and the. Wait a second. It's already dealing with more people in verse two than we were dealing with back in verse number 26. So let's take our same hand. Let's erase what we had. Remember, we had four groups a while ago. Let's count how many groups threw them into the fire. Look in verse number 2. Count them out with me. Nebuchadnezzar the king gathered together the princes, the governors, the captains, the judges, the treasurers, the counselors, the sheriffs, and all the rulers of the provinces. If you counted with me, that ought to be eight Different groups. Eight different groups threw them into the fire. But there were only four waiting when they got out of the fire. I got a twofold application right here that I want to make. Number one, here's what I want to tell you. Whenever you get done with this trial, there's a certain group of people that will not be impressed with what God's done in your life. There are some people in your existence that do not care what God is doing in your life. They don't care. You can't impress them. You ought not try to win them because there were some people that were waiting on them when they got back. They had, they had participated throwing them in, but they didn't care enough to hang around. They'd gone back to their life. I want to show you. I want to write these out because I want to show you the four groups of people that weren't there When they got out. Because those are the people you ain't going to change in your life. If God don't change them, you ain't going to change them. Can I give them to you? The four groups that didn't. Number one, the first group of people that did not wait on them when they got out were the judges. The judges in that day, that was not like it is in our day. That was the astrologers and the diviners. You know what we would call them today? Witches and pagans. Demon possessed people. Now, honey, I I hate to tell you, beloved, I hate to be the bearer of bad news. You know, we live in North Carolina, but we live in last days, North Carolina. And the people that we are around, there are demons that are alive. There are devils that are alive. There are people that are demon-possessed that are alive. And I'm going to be honest with you. Unless the Holy Ghost of God gets a hold of demon-possessed people, you won't change them. You can give them your testimony. All you want to give to them, you better understand, you will not change a demon-possessed person with what God's done in your life. You can't do it. You can preach every message you want to preach to them. You can tell them everything you want to tell them. But there are people in your life right I'm telling you there are people in our community right now that are possessed with devils. Y'all either don't believe what I'm saying or scared to death of what I'm saying or are asleep. And I don't think you're asleep. We don't like to think about that. But there are demon-possessed people. Can I help you with something? You ain't going to change a demon-possessed person. Until the Holy Ghost of God drop kicks the devil right out of them, you ain't going to change them. Number two, second group of people that were not there at the end, that were there at the beginning, were the treasurers. The treasurers were those people that were in charge of Nebuchadnezzar's purse. We would call them the rich and the wealthy. Now, there is a scripture that is in the New Testament that Jesus says this. He says, it is impossible for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, that does not mean you can't have money and love God. That's not what that means. Some of the the best people I know have money and they love God. This is what that does mean. It means you can't love your money and expect your money to get you into heaven and trust in your riches. Here's what happened. Those treasures, those wealthy people, man, they threw in Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but they didn't have enough time to wait on them and see, is God really God? Hear me now. People in your life that think they've got the world by the tail and they've got it by the throat because they've got money, you ain't going to change somebody like that. You've got to let God bankrupt their soul before they're ever going to turn and see the Lord Jesus Christ. So all you need to understand is you can't win everybody. Number three, the third group of people that are not there are the sheriffs. Now, the sheriffs in that day are not like the sheriffs in our day. The sheriffs in that day were the people that were in charge of interpreting the law. The people that were interpreting the law, they were very analytical, rational, reasonable people. Now, here's what I'm telling you. There are some people in your life that are so rational and reasonable, they will never understand the working of faith in your life. You can tell them every single day, I don't have an answer, it's just what God wants me to do. And they'll never understand it as long as they live because they can't wrap their head around it. There'll be people in your life when you say, I don't think that's what God wants me to do. And they'll say, what do you mean? That's the best decision you could ever make. They're trying to ration out everything. You can't, you can't change somebody like that. The Spirit of God has got to upend people. Number four, the fourth group is this. were the rulers of the provinces. They were the magistrates. In our day, we would call them politicians. Let me see if I can clear me off a spot right here and hoe around in this garden for a second. I want to make a word against the church of Jesus Christ in 2022. The church of Jesus Christ better stop trying to play the political game and get back to preaching the kingdom of God in heaven. Because on one side, you got a certain group of people over here that like this, and you got a certain group of people over here that like this. And you do understand a politician that is dyed in the wool, a true blue politician, they will use the church of Jesus Christ until the church of Jesus Christ is no longer usable and it's no longer feasible. You and I better get off of the bandwagon of the politician and get back on the bandwagon of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and start preaching the gospel to whosoever. Now listen, we need good politicians. We need righteous politicians. We need godly politicians. We need politicians full of the Holy Ghost that are in the state house, in the Senate house. They're in the the governor's house. We need them in the White House. We need them in the Senate. We need them in the House of Representatives. We need them in the offices of our land. But here's what God's trying to show you. You can't win a politician as long as he's trying to be political. That man's got to be broken down and want to live for God in the office of a politician and not be a politician. There's a big difference. Don't try to win them. Listen to me. There are some people in your life you can't win. Here's my second application, and I feel like somebody's going to eat this up. On this side of the fire, there were eight groups. Am I right about it? On that side of the fire, there were four. Now, if my math serves me correctly, that is exactly what percentage left over? Half. 50% half. On that side, there was a crowd. On that side, they had half the crowd. You ready? I'm gonna steal something from TD Jakes. Here we go. There are some people, the fires are gonna separate out of your life. Let them go. Don't try to go get them. Don't try to find them again. Don't try to keep them in your life. Don't try to make their way in back into your path. God's trying to separate them from you. That's why he puts you in the fire. He wanted the fire to pull them out of your life. How many people have a bad relationship, a bad boyfriend, a bad girlfriend, and all they know to do is to acquiesce to that relationship when God's trying to separate the saints of God from the unholy, unfaithful, unholiness of the world? God's trying to separate that, but instead, We try to hold on, brothers and sisters. You need to let it go. You need to let that old job go, let that old mindset go, let that old ministry go, let that old thought go. When God is trying to separate you from what He's trying to separate you from, let it go. Stop trying to hold what God's trying to take. I was thinking, so many of us spend our time climbing the mountain, looking back to see who's climbing with us instead of looking ahead at where we're going. If somebody in your life is content to stay where you were and doesn't want to be where you're going, you don't need them in your life. God is trying to separate them from your life. And I have learned a valuable lesson in my 37.1 years of living. Let God take care of the people that don't want to go with you. They're not bad people. They don't need to be destroyed. But not every person is with you in every season. God will send people into your life for reasons and seasons. And then He'll take them. That's why Job said, The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. What's the next phrase? Blessed. Why? Because when God is trying to separate you, it's the best thing for you. Can I give you the third word? The third word that you'll find on the other side of the fire is the word... Vindication. Vindication. Notice what it says at the end of verse number 27. And the princes and the governors and the captains and the king's counselors being gathered together saw these men, upon whose bodies the fire had no power, nor was a hair of their head singed, neither were their coats changed, nor the smell of fire had passed on them. Now, whenever these four groups of people saw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego come out of the fire, they were impressed. They couldn't believe it. But I want you to notice what they were impressed by. They weren't impressed by what the fire did. They were impressed by what the fire didn't do. They said, we can't believe the fire didn't harm their bodies. We can't believe the fire didn't singe their hair. We can't believe it did not burn up their coats. And we can't believe it didn't even smell up their garments. Beloved, there are certain things problems are going to do in your life. You don't need to focus on those things. Whenever a child walks out of your life, fire is going to break your heart. There's nothing you can do about that. But it's when fire does do what it's supposed to do, but it doesn't do what it's meant to do. You've got a broken heart, but you don't get bitter. You've got a shattered mind, but you still make clear decisions. You've got a shattered, broken faith, but you keep praying and believing. You've got a life that just doesn't make any sense, but yet you lift your eyes up to God every day and say, Lord, I know you're able. It's when people walk out, but yet you don't focus on the ones that did. You focus on the ones that didn't. You don't focus on the problem. You focus on the blessing. Can I tell you something? I'm never impressed when fire burns something up. But I'll do a double take when I throw something into a campfire and it keeps on being what it is in the flame. My mother, my mother, every, every family has one, Scott. You open up stuff at Christmas and you say, what were you thinking? <laughs> my mama, several years ago, my sister is not in this service. She's at 9 a.m. My sister will testify. My mama bought me and my sister when we were like, my sister was six, 16. I was 18. I know I was four years so I've been 20. She bought us a fire safety deposit box. I was in Bible college trying to make ends meet. What am I going to put in a fire safety deposit box? I didn't have enough money to buy gasoline. What was I going to put in a fire safety deposit box? Two years later at Christmas time, I guess Walmart had another sale. We're opening up, opening up presents. And to my shock I was getting married that year, and you know what I got? A bigger fire safety deposit box. So, you know what I did with the old one? Well, I'll tell you what I did with the old one. I got fireman somewhere in my blood. So, Avery, I took that old fire safety deposit box, and we had built this. Fire, campfire, bond. I don't remember what it was. It was, a, it was raging, man. I mean, it was fl- We took stumps, and we th- threw those stumps in that fire. And everybody that loves to have a good campfire, you live for one thing. When you throw a piece of wood in a campfire, you love seeing them sizzles come up out of the side, don't you? Yeah, don't you act like you're redneck. I know you do. Don't you sit there and look at me with that hypocritical look on your face. Man, I throw that thing in, and you give that stump enough time. It'll start burning. I don't sit around and look at that. I took that stupid safety deposit box. (laughs) And I'm telling you, that thing was white hot. And I threw that fire safety deposit box into that fire. And I just stood there and watched it. You see, that fire safety deposit box had come in a wrapping, a paper, a box, a cardboard box. And this is what that fire or that that fire safety deposit box said fire resistant up to a certain temperature. And I stood there with that fire safety deposit box in that fire with one thing in mind prove it. (laughs) And I just watched. And before I knew it, I smiled. You see, those fire safety deposit boxes have a polymer on the outside. It's like a black paint plastic. And I saw that paint begin to peel off as that fire got hotter. You know what I thought? Yeah. I knew they'd lied about that box. It can't survive the fire. (laughs) My mama done gone down to the family dollar and gone to the back section and got the cheapest fire safety deposit box and And I stood there, and then I noticed that that canister, that firebox, only the outside wrapping was what was burning up. What it really was was surviving. So I did what any God-given redneck would do. I went and got the driest piece of wood I could find, and I threw it on top of the fire safety deposit box. And I was hoping, I don't know what I was hoping, I was hoping the fire would climb the bridge and go up to the other side and burn right on top of it and melt that whole thing. You know what I found? The fire showed me that what the rapper said was true. It was the fire that vindicated the package. Every day of your life when people find out that you serve the Lord Jesus Christ and that you've been baptized in the Holy Ghost and that you're walking in the ways of God and you have the peace of God, the world looks at that outside wrapper on your life when you say, I know that my name is written in heaven and I trust God no matter what comes my life that all things will work together for good. They look at the outside wrapper of your life. They look at the packaging on your soul and what will God do? He'll throw you in the fire because he knows there's people in your life that are watching you and are paying attention to you and have got their eyes on you and are looking at everything you've said and everything you've done and they're standing back while you're in the fire and every now again an exterior thing on your life it'll melt away. An exterior relationship in your life it'll melt away. But day in and day out and moment in and moment out when you survive the fire and you survive the flame they look at it and say well Maybe it's true. And the fire vindicates the God you serve. Brothers and sisters, all God's doing in your life is showing people that He is the only true God. Your world will be different when you get done with the fire, but you got to get there. Stay faithful. Stay true and stay right.